think one thing we all love is aerobic activity, so would you please stand with me? Go ahead and stand. Those online, stand with us. And then I want you to greet the person next to you with these words. You are wonderful. Use those words. You <laughs> All right, we can sit back down. Go ahead. Thank you for doing that. I, I think it's important. I believe it's really important to understand what you just did. You just said, you are full of wonder. And that's what our whole sermon series is about this Advent, is wonder. You're full of wonder. Welcome, everybody. We're glad you're all here. I want to welcome those online. Uh, for our guests, my name is Brian. I'm our lead pastor here. I joked in a first, I think this was funny. Uh, as, if you don't know what a lead pastor does, they golf all week and they speak for about 30 minutes on Sunday. <laughs> but it's cold out, so there's not a lot of golfing going on right now. So it's like, uh, but we're glad you're here to our guests, this worship guide. We're gonna go into God's word, the Bible together. And on the back of this worship guide is a summary and outline of what we're gonna talk about today. So you can join us there with that, fill it in. It gives you a good framework of all the core things we wanna hit on there. So, and to our guests too, this, this connect card, um, this is like really important to us. So if you're new to us or, uh, and you're looking for a church home, whatever, like, like fill this out and drop it off in the boxes or go out to our welcome center because we would love to connect with you and help you with that journey. That's what we love doing. And so please, uh, also your prayer requests and everything else can be on this card. Anything can be on this card. Drop it off, let us know how to pray for you, pray with you, um, tell us what's going on in life. Those online, all these things are also connected there on Facebook Live and on our webpage, so you're connected too. So our sermon series this Advent is about wonder, and our goal is to recapture the wonder we had maybe as kids if we lost it along the way uh, this Christmas season. So uh, to catch you up a little bit what we've talked about, this Advent season we've been, we've been connecting with the main characters in the Christmas story, and the ones that we're talking about all got the news of the Messiah, and they all broke out in a song. And if we look at these songs, we're going through all these songs and they're all in the book of Luke except one and they all broke out in a song. And when you look at the whole song, it's nothing but wonder. What is God up to and why is he doing this through us? And so all these songs are about wonder and we believe by capturing those that we can be filled with wonder and we can get our minds on the true spirit of the season. So when you ask the person next to you or you told them you're wonderful, I should have had you ask them, are they wonderful? <laughs> And they just had popcorn testimony, right, for a while. Hey, tell me, so who really feels full of wonder today? Be honest, who's feel full of, like, or filling with wonder? We got a few. Okay, so listen today, because every one of these sermons is about filling us back with that wonder, and there's this one we're hitting on today really, really helps. So here's a summary of all the songs we're going through this Advent. Uh, we start with Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus was even born, and the worst time Israel was going through, and he sang a song of hope, Last week we went into Elizabeth's song and Elizabeth's very pregnant with John the Baptist meets Mary, newly pregnant with Jesus. They come together, the Spirit, Holy Spirit's involved. They burst out in song. Elizabeth's song was a song of joy. And that brings us to this week, Mary's song. Mary's song. So I want you to open your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter one, verse 26. 
Gospel of Luke, way back, about three quarters of the way through your Bible, right there in the New Testament, chapter one, verse 26. And as we go there, I think it's just, I like this, stopping for just a second and asking the Holy Spirit to wake us up to what we're about ready to read. Would you bow your heads with me? Holy Spirit, we ask as we go into your word that you are the only one that lights this thing up like a Christmas tree for us. And so, Holy Spirit, we have approached the Father and the Son today in worship and praise and confession and prayer, and we're ready now to hear the word. And the only way we can do this is to actually kind of grab our hearts and hold them out to you and say, they're moldable. So remove any of the distractions in our minds. We hold our hearts out to you to mold and change in us what this word is telling us today. And fill us with wonder. Fill us with wonder. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So for a very long time, the prophecy of a Savior coming to Israel, just, it just hung in the air and the hopes of all the Jewish people. Just a long time went on and they're waiting for the Savior. We've been talking about waiting a lot. The, the issue was, is all these years we're waiting on this prophecy, hundreds of years, like there's a Savior gonna come and the thing is nobody knew where or how. And so when we look at this scripture, what we knew is that I would guess easily when you're looking at the scripture and look at the Christmas story that everybody thought the Messiah was going to come to Jerusalem. Well, why Jerusalem? Well, Jerusalem was the heart and jewel of Israel, the temples there, all the kings, all the best trained, all the prominent people are there. So that's where the Messiah is going to come. But that's not where God's eyes were focused. So jump in with Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and he said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. And confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you'll name him Jesus. And he'll be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. Look at verse 37, for the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. So God's eyes weren't on Jerusalem. God's eyes were on this little town called Nazareth 
way up in a little place called Nat Galilee, a little province up there. All the kings, all the prominent people were in Jerusalem, but God sent Gabriel, an angel messenger, to Galilee. Why? Why did God send an angel to Galilee and to a little town of Nazareth? The answer is in your first note. God skipped Jerusalem to find humility. God skipped over Jerusalem to find humility. God knew in Nazareth there was this young girl with a right heart. This young girl was a female. Okay, that sounds a little bit... <laughs> Nobody was thinking in a patriarchal society that this would start with a woman, let alone a young girl. She wasn't famous. She wasn't scholarly. She wasn't from the upper crust of society. She didn't have 10,000 followers on Twitter, nor was she a blogger. She was chosen because of her humility. So I want to share with you a quote. This is R. Kent Hughes. He's a pastor, a theologian. He said, the incarnation, which is God coming to earth in Jesus, the incarnation, salvation, resurrection, and Christmas are not for the proud and the self-sufficient. I read this, it's like, whoa. And I had to understand that when I was reading this and what it meant. The arrival of Jesus on earth, God on earth, his message of salvation, his life, death, and resurrection, ultimately what Christmas began, are not for the proud and self-sufficient, which describes the people who don't need God right now. They're on their own. I don't need God. God's love came for those who were open to it, the humble. This doesn't mean that God does not care for or care about the proud and the self-sufficient. It's just that they aren't interested in a relationship with him through Jesus. And, and this Christmas, this kind of hit me when I looked at this quote, this Christmas, millions of people love the idea of Christmas. Millions of people around the world love the idea of Christmas. Many of them don't need it. And I think that's a wrestle for us today. Do we love the idea of Christmas? Or do we need it? Because in our need, we'll find the joy of it. In our need, we'll find the joy of Christmas. And by the time we're done today, I hope we understand the difference here as we look at this story. One woman, in humility, responded to God's call on her life. And so what we know from this story is the minute Gabriel visits her, shortly thereafter, she takes off to go see her cousin Elizabeth, which is where we were last weekend. We know that Mary went on a 70 to 80 mile trek. And can you imagine being newly pregnant and walking 70 to 80 miles? Can you imagine all the things that would go through your mind while you're walking 70 to 80 miles with a new pregnancy and no husband. Leaving the community that you know, Nazareth was maybe 300 people, small town. And this pregnancy was probably a disgrace to everybody there. So she hit the road for a reason. And she goes to Elizabeth. Now, I don't want to go back to that story. We were there last week. Elizabeth, her come together, the Holy Spirit fills, her babies leap in joy. Elizabeth said, you are blessed, Mary. You are blessed because you believe the Lord would do what he said. That's where we left off last week. And at that moment, Mary, who I know was probably scared, wonder, her life was full of deep wonder. What is going on 
inside of me. In that moment, Elizabeth affirms what God is doing in her. And in that moment, Mary goes from scared and in deep wonder to joy, and she breaks out in a song. So right after Elizabeth's song is when Mary's song hits this week, and that's where we want to focus. Now, I would love to read to you what Mary said or sang. She probably sang this. But we know, anybody scholarly looking at this and studying this knows that Mary, when she sang this and responded to Elizabeth, that she was probably 13 or 14 years old. And so I want you to hear this from Ava, who is 13 or 14 right in that way. So Ava, would you join me up here? I want you to see how youthful Mary was when she broke out and read the scripture. A reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, starting in verse 46. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took notice of this lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One is holy. He has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped this servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Would you guys give Ava a big round of applause? How many of you parents just had a heart attack when you think of your 14-year-old girl? Ava, thank you for being brave. There is so much, you can zip through this song and it miss probably of all the songs, they're all important in their context, but none are as big as this one. And so I wanna break this song down. It may look like just a uh, routine amount of scripture that isn't really super exciting, but boy, there's so much in this song. So let's break it all the way down into your next sermon note. It's a love song. I would call it a love song from Mary. She is responding to God's love and the message of Gabriel and her, and she responds in love. So Mary's love song sings first that God is now bigger. God is now bigger. That's the first thing she says. She says, Mary responded, oh, how my soul praises. Your version may say magnifies. Both words in, in, the, in the Greek are the same. Oh, how my soul magnifies the Lord. Now, what this means is she isn't making God bigger. God's big on his own. He doesn't need our help, but he is now bigger in her. She's saying, now my soul explodes with him and who he is and what he's doing in my life. He is now magnified in my life. We call this song in Latin, it's called the Magnificat, which comes from the word magnify. So Mary first breaks out and prays that her soul is magnifying God. What I find interesting here is that it's been 2,000 years plus since this happened, and Mary's still magnifying him. As I drive down the street, she's on your front yards lit up every night <laughs> in a little nativity set. Mary's life is still symbolically magnifying this event every year. Second sermon note, 
Second part of this, Mary's love song says that God is now bigger. Second thing she says, he's come to save. This is important. How my spirit, oh, how my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Do you know how big it is what she just said? When she said that phrase, God, my Savior, she just admitted that she understands that the baby in her is God in heaven, Savior inside her. She recognizes this baby in her is God, Emmanuel, God with us, and the Savior of the world. She recognizes God has come to earth and he is right now in utero. That's a powerful phrase, God, my Savior. And she knows at 14 years old that her baby will change the world. Mary's love song sings that God's bigger, has come to save, and here's the next one, is put her in his story. For he took notice of this lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he's done great things for me. All generations will call her blessed because she is the only one in all the history of humanity that birthed the Savior. Only one. A poor peasant girl from Nowhereville and God's big story invites her into it. This is very personal to her because this song is personal because she's been invited into his story. And she acknowledges that God has placed her right in the middle of his grand story. So she says, I'm blessed. She says, I'm blessed. Why is she blessed? Why does she understand she's blessed? And, and this verse just popped out at me, but let me slightly rescript it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, born of a humble teenager, into this world so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's God's love song. And he just brought her right in the middle of it. Her love song says he's bigger, he's come to save, I'm in the story. The next thing is it says his love song is turning the tables. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He scattered the proud and the haughty ones. This was fun. Layla did this in first service, eight and second. Haughty is not kids like haughty, you think haughty. This is a different haughty. <laughs> it's close to naughty, different letter. Haughty means arrogantly proud and, and superior is what it means. To be haughty is to look down on people and be arrogant and proud about it. She says, God is turning the tables. All these years, you gotta understand, this young lady is, he, he's, he's bringing down princes from their thrones, yet he's exalting the humble. He's filling the hungry, and he's sending the rich away with empty hands. Mary lived in a time of deep darkness where Rome, not only did Rome occupy them, and they're under suffrage from them, her own religious leaders put terrible burdens on them as a people, there was a lot of arrogantly superior people around them and they had to live in that subjugation all the time. And Mary knows the Old Testament scripture that God is coming to save and he's gonna turn the tables. And when turn the tables, when we look at that, it's an old, it's an old um, I had to look this up, where does that come from? It reminds us when we play games, like let's say chess. And I'm getting my bottom kicked in chess, right? And I'm down to like two pieces left and a person across from me has like 20. 
God turns the tables, he flips the table around, and all of a sudden I am. He exalts the humble, the little ones. <laughs> he brings down the proud who don't need him. Wakes them up. And the last one, this is, uh, well, before I go on to that, what she's saying by turning the tables too is God is transforming the world. And when Jesus comes and he goes to that cross, he makes everything new. And he's making everything new today. Last note, here's all of them. His love song says, God's now bigger, he's come to save. He, she's in her, his story now. He's turning the tables and the last one is he is connecting all history and eternity. Now don't let this be boring. This is huge. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. He made his promise to our ancestors and to Abraham and his children forever. What was that promise to Abraham? That I will bring all nations to me through you, Abraham. All nations, this whole planet will know me through you, Abraham. God has not forgot that promise and now that promise is being fulfilled in that baby in her for he's gonna break down every barrier that stops all the nations coming and he's gonna send out the church to change the world. What's interesting is Israel knew their history. Israel was very proud of their history. They are the chosen people. They know their history. What they didn't know is their future. See, Israelites didn't know about resurrection. They didn't know there was eternity. They had this thing. History was really all I had. And then Jesus comes and takes away that penalty of death and gives everybody eternity. That's why we say Jesus is the hinge of all history. Without Jesus, we don't have eternity. Jesus is the hinge of the book that takes all of history of humankind and points them towards now eternity. She knows this baby inside her is going to be the hinge of everything and point everybody to eternity. Look at that list. Can you see why we say these songs are full of wonder? <laughs> the baby in her magnifies God, has come to save, brought her into the story, he's flipping the script, he's making everything new, and he is gonna connect all history with eternity. That's her song. And we're wondering, sometimes people are critical of saying, how does a 14-year-old know that? Well, first we give credit that the Holy Spirit is upon her, <laughs> who reveals everything. But what's interesting, here's some homework for you. We don't have time to go there today. But I want you to write this down. If you have a pen, write down 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. 1 Samuel, it's in the Old Testament. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. For there you will find Hannah's song. Mary's song mimics Hannah's song really close. As a matter of fact, Mary, every time she would have gone to the Jewish festivals as a little girl, she would have heard Hannah's song sung. This is a rescript of Hannah's song. God, you have come. Let me praise and magnify you. You're flipping the tables. So go do that, check on that 
Mary knew. So it's exciting. Let's all go run out the door. We know a lot about Mary's song. Great day, thanks. No. So what does this mean to us? What does this mean to us? Mary's song is our song. Here's your next note. God skipped Jerusalem to find us. God skipped Jerusalem to find you and me. The work of Jesus did not stop with his life on earth and his resurrection and his ascension. That was just the beginning. Jesus' life is forever impacting us. God is still skipping Jerusalem, the prestigious places, the airbrushed celebrities, the royalty. He's still looking for humility. And I hope he finds that in you and me. Us. And as God searches in the most remote places, like even Manhattan, Kansas, and finds us, and he finds us with a humble heart, that we can go out with the same song, then our song says this. Our song goes out in life, and our song first says, let me magnify you, God, in every way I can. Second thing our song says is, hey, you've come here to save everyone. God has. He's here for all to save. God, you've put me in your story. He's put every one of us in the middle of the story. And he's still turning the tables. He's still flipping the script. He's still taking the oppressed and the suffering and he's lifting them up and exalting them. And he does that through his church. And the last thing is you and I stand in the hinge of history. Everything that's behind us, this Old Testament should not be a good history class for you. This is our ancestors of the church. This is our history. This is everything that's gone before us to give us what we have today in Christ. And we're at the hinge of history because of Christ in us, pointing everybody to eternity. We have hope. Mary hadn't even seen the resurrection yet. We have heard it and seen it and now we know where we're headed and we stand at the hinge of all history. We're looking forward to all eternity. That is our song. And if you didn't have wonder coming in today, I hope you have wonder now because that's a wonderful song. Mary's song was all about the wonder of love. Why does God love the world so much that he did this and did it through me? And that should be our wonder. Why does God love the world so much that he's doing this through us? This Advent season, we have to let wonder captivate us. We have to find that humility to let him work in and through us. And then our songs will sing in our souls your last sermon note this is the wonder of love that our soul magnifies him the wonder today that every soul walks out of here and magnifies him we can't make God bigger we definitely can make him bigger in our lives and in the lives of other people and I can sit here and talk about magnifying him over and over and over but I'd like to invite Abby up here because Abby has a special song to share with you She's going to show how our souls magnify him.
Thank you, Abby, and thank you for doing the part so well. Uh, <laughs> she went the extra mile to uh, make sure that that, in every way, as we get ready for offering, I want to I go over an announcement that's really important for our church, and it looks at how we handle Christmas, even Christmas Day this year. We're going to do it a little differently. It's, it's rare that Christmas Eve, not rare, it's pretty infrequent, that Christmas Eve lands on a Saturday, and then Christmas morning is the very next day, and we normally worship on Sunday. We know here at a church that transitions so much with military and college families and stuff. Uh, there's a lot of travel and spending time with families uh, that that's important and we want you to do that. It's part of love and joy and Christmas to spend it with our time with our friends and family. One of the challenges we have when Christmas Eve services, which is our highest attended area, and the last time we did this for Christmas Day was the next day on Sunday, is the hardest thing is that when everybody leaves town, we're, we're, we have a smaller volunteer group. And we struggled with the idea of, of Christmas Eve and the big services and then asking everyone that we need those same volunteers to come back Christmas morning and, and worship too. And it's a little bit of a challenge to, to have asked them to give up Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. But we looked at some of the challenges with this and so we looked at a different way of approaching this and that is that Christmas Eve services will be at 4 and 5.30 like we normally do. So you can have time that evening to celebrate with your family like that. Christmas Day, we are not coming here to worship.
Instead, we are equipping you to take the worship of the Christ child to your homes and your families. So let me explain that a little bit. Is that our church is all about being worshiping outside of one hour on Sunday. And our church is all about you taking the message of Christ to everybody. And so what we're gonna do is we put together a kit that we will share with you next week that allows you to take worship into your homes on Christmas morning. And if you are hosting, that gives you all these different ways that you can make sure that in the midst of our family traditions and rituals that we also worship Jesus. And these are simple ways of families of doing that. But we want you to take the church out there because this is why. We know when you host or you go to another family's event or friend's event is we know there will be people there that do not know Jesus. And we're asking you to take his story and worship him in these simple ways that day to just make sure we don't miss the one that this day is all about. And so we're gonna equip you to go out and take worship everywhere around our city, our state, and around the nation. We're gonna ask you to be really bold. We're gonna ask you to do this and make sure those who don't know Christ in your family see these really um, approachable in ways of celebrating Jesus that day. And I'm gonna ask you to be really bold that if you're going to another family's event or friend's event that you ask him, can I bring one of these things to make sure Jesus is worshiped here? That's really bold. And I'm gonna even ask you to be bolder as you see this kit and you see how we're gonna send the church out to worship on Christmas morning, I'm gonna ask, would you invite your neighbor, your coworker who doesn't know Jesus, to your family event? Enjoy the gifts, enjoy the food, and celebrate Jesus in the midst of that and show them the true Savior of the world. So we're giving our church a really bold challenge. You know, we used to do inside out here where we didn't come to work. Here on Sunday, we went out and worshiped and, and changed our community. This is the same thing. We're sending you to worship all over the place, instead of maybe just 100, 150 people coming here. We're gonna ignite everybody to worship, amen? amen? More about that next week. What an amazing day. Who's all with me? Who feels now more wonderful? Does everybody feel a little bit more? <laughs> okay, got a few more hands. We're gonna work, that's why Advent is five weeks long. It's like we keep working on our wonder. Can we take our best to God right now in offering? Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, now we respond. We have praised you. We have gone to your word. We've been all the way through. Now we get ready to go out in the world. But Father, before we leave, we want to respond to you. Worship is a dialogue. Father, we, we ask that, Holy Spirit, you brought these things to mind as we went to the word. Where are we not humble? Would you help us fix that? Where are we missing our wonder this season? Would you help us stop and find that? Holy Spirit, where are we not singing the song that magnifies you? How can we be bold and go magnify you this week? It starts with you being magnified in us and that requires a humble spirit first. Holy Spirit, magnify the Lord in us through Christ and let us go out and magnify him to the world. Let us be brave as we consider this Christmas morning that we're taking worship into the world. Father, our other gifts, our talents, our time, our treasure are now our best offering. When we give financially, it's because the missionist church is hitting the whole world. So let our gift to you be fragrant. Let it be joyful. We don't give unless we have extreme joy and let it be sacrificial. Let us give our best back to you. I pray this in Jesus' name.
Amen. A couple things to our guests, those connect cards, if you drop those off before you leave or go out to our welcome center. One other thing I didn't mention on Christmas Sunday is we will be doing a broadcast that morning, a special time for the church too. If you don't come on when it's live, it'll be captured and you can watch it. You can share it with your family at any time. We will have a worship event that will be online that morning too. Okay, did I catch everything? Hello, everybody. We are the Waller family. I'm Taryn. This is Ty, my younger brother. This is my dad, Brad, and my mom, Kristen. Two weeks ago, we learned that God's people were waiting and waiting and waiting for a Savior. Then some prophets came and told them God's plan for sending a baby to be born in Bethlehem. God's people waited and hoped for the promise to come true. Last week, we learned about the joy that Elizabeth was filled with and that John leapt for joy in her womb. We, too, can have joy while we wait for Jesus' return. Finally, it was time for the promise of the world to come true. God was ready to send the baby Savior into the world but he wanted to make sure the baby was going to have the right mother. He chose Mary. Mary was supposed to get married to Joseph, but when he found out she was going to have a baby, he decided he didn't want to marry her anymore. So God sent another angel to Joseph. The angel had to tell both Mary and Joseph not to be afraid and to stay together. Ty, have you been afraid recently? Dark. Have you been afraid? Yes. Of what? The dark. Of the dark. Taryn, anything? No. No, nothing? (laughs) Public speaking, reading in front of people? When the angel told Mary that she was going to be pregnant and her baby would be the savior of the world, Mary was very bold and brave. She told the angel, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Taryn, what have you said to God or asked for him lately? To my brother to be nice to me. Anything, Ty? No. Okay. (laughs) This week, we light the candle of love. The Bible tells us this. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. God loves us so much that he sent Jesus to the world as a little baby. And this baby would grow up to be the savior of the world. to the good news of Jesus coming to earth by singing a love song back to God. She sang, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. What's something you love? My family. What's something you love? My dog. 
both good things. Would you all bow your heads with us in prayer? Thank you, God, for choosing a humble servant named Mary to be the mother of the Savior of the world. May her song of love to you be the same song we sing this Christmas season. May we praise you, and may our souls magnify you in a special way to the world who does not know you through your son, Jesus. Amen.